welcome to the Say Yes Anyway podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my good friends, Megan. Mimi, she goes by. Uh, she is an incredible entrepreneur and she is a, I call her a mushroom queen. And she just lights up the room everywhere that she goes. And she is a wealth of knowledge. She's such an incredible teacher and an, an amazing friend. And so her story has impacted my life and so many others. And that's why I want her today. So welcome, Mimi. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So real quick, if you could describe yourself in a few sentences, what would you say? Oh my gosh, so much pressure. A few sentences? <laughs> um, whatever you want to say. I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I am in a very fun place in my life where I am deciding on purpose to create a life that I love and every day thinking, I want to think to myself, like the goal is to think to myself, like, damn, I love life. Sorry, am I not supposed to cuss? <laughs> no, you're good. The last episode, there's a lot of... Uh, um, so that's, that's where I feel like I'm at. I'm, I'm past the stage of kind of like feeling like I don't know what I'm doing in life or what I love or where I'm going. And, um, right now, of course I'm always changing and evolving, but, um, right now I really feel like I am where I'm supposed to be and, um, I'm, I'm proactively creating a life that I love. I live in, Coronado on Coronado Island, which is kind of part of San Diego. Um, I live a mile from the beach. Mm -hmm. I get to teach women how to use medicinal mushrooms in their life every day to heal and prevent conditions and diseases in the body. I feel so blessed by my work that I that I do every day. And I can legitimately say that every morning when I wake up, I am like excited for the day. No matter what I'm doing that day, I'm just excited about my life. Hmm. Wow. That's really good. That's really yeah. good. So I don't know, that's not really like describing me, but this is kind of like my, where I'm at kind of in my, yeah. in my life. life. Path. Yeah. I my love journey. that. Yeah. And it, it just makes me think about, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of walking aimlessly through life and you're in your thirties, thirties, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, yes. I, I just turned 31. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm like officially in my thirties. <laughs> yeah. I'm over I, the 30. I, I have to think about that too. Sometimes I'm like, ah, yeah. um, but no, that's actually really cool because it sounds like you know, it's been a journey for you to kind of come to this place. And do you know if you could say like, okay, this is the life that I want, or this is like how I want to feel like, mm -hmm. do you know what that is? Yes. It's it currently, currently how I feel <laughs> is, is, is that is how I feel. I, I was telling Chase, my love, my partner, my man, my king. Oh, um, he's so great. Okay, guys, I cannot wait to talk about he's him. He's right in the other room, but yeah. I was just telling him the other day, we were with some friends and, you know, it seems like a lot of people, how we're conditioned and how we are taught in our culture is, 
you work, 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 you make something of your life, you get educated, you get married, you have kids, you have a dog, you buy a house, you work, 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 work until you're working towards something like, you know, um, retirement. Mm -hmm. Then you get to like do whatever you want and then you get to be free. I know not everyone to a T is taught that, but I think generally in our culture, that's kind of what's accepted. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I kind of refuse to do that. Um, I don't want to live a life like that. I want to wake up every single day and um, be excited and know that I am choosing my life on purpose. Mm -hmm. And that if I could create any life, it would be the life that I'm living today. And I'm always working towards something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never like stagnant, Mm -hmm. but um, I think that's, it's, it's wonderful to get to that place um, where, where you feel that. And it's not, I'm trying to think of the emotion because it's not guilt. Like I don't feel guilty that I love my life, Yeah, but it's kind of a weird dilemma almost because I know that there are so many people that don't, that they're still in that rat race. They're still in the grind. They're still in the nine to five, like working for the weekend kind of mentality rather than treating Monday like Friday and, you know, uh, Thursday, like a holiday, you're kind of in this like zone of work weekend, work weekend. And, um, I just don't ever, I don't ever want to be in that again. Yeah. Um, So I was telling Chase, um, coming full circle to where I started the sentence, I was telling Chase, like, it's weird. It's a weird thing to describe. It's not guilt, but it's like this kind of like, is this okay? Is this like, totally. no one else is, I feel like not a lot of other people are doing this. Like, is this okay? Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I know what you mean. And well, that's what I love about you because I think, I think we've been friends for about four or so years, right? Yeah. Something like that. And like, I remain even remember one of our first conversations and, you know, you, we were talking about relationships and we're talking about like healthy lifestyle and things like that. And And we both kind of had this commonality of not wanting to just stay where we were at, but always wanting to grow. And, and it was always funny because every time we would call one another, we're like, oh shoot, we're going to have to like take (laughs) at least an hour break, whatever we're doing. And like, we're going to have a good in-depth conversation. And I've noticed that about you. um, And I can relate to that too, because I just was like, no, I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to, you know, live up to this status quo thinking that it's going to be this American dream. And then you have a white picket fence and kids and nothing wrong with that. But like, what is it that, that I want? What is it that Megan wants? What is it that like we really desire with our life? So for you, I'm curious, when, when did you know, or did, did you always kind of have that or when did that kind of pop up for you? Um, no, definitely not always. Um, I've always been like an achiever. So I've always done like, it sounds like weird and braggadocious, but I've always done well at the things that I decided I was going to do well at, Mm -hmm. whether that's dental hygiene school or, you know, high school, college, um, sports, uh, you know, relationship, I thought. Um, But really that concept of creating your life and choosing your life every day and, you know, almost like, I I think that it's only been since I've moved to California 
um, a little bit before that, when I was living back home in Spokane, um, I was living back with my parents, just kind of trying to figure out in, in kind of a transitionary way, like leaving dental hygiene and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I haven't felt that. I felt it a little bit in Spokane. Um, but then when I moved to California, it just hit me. And I knew, I knew it would. I always knew that I would end up in California. Um, I love the sun way too much. And it just like feels good to my soul. I knew I would end up here. I didn't know how or when, but I knew I would. And there was always something drawing me here. Every time I would come to California, I would feel like, you know, when you just look around or you feel the, the energy of a city and you're like, these are my people. Not even just like any person in particular, mm -hmm. but you just feel almost like known. Mm -hmm. You feel accepted and um, you just feel like this, this is kind of where I belong. And so I think it fully took form when I moved to California for sure, um, which I'm kind of jumping ahead uh, of a lot of things in my story, but that's, I would say, so that's only been, I've only lived here for a little over a year. I moved last August. So a little over a year that I've been here now. Wow. wow. And so that reminds me, I, you know, you have kind of had this life, even from our conversations where I remember this one time I was sitting in my car and we were chatting for a while and, and I was like, I have this weird feeling I'm moving to California soon. And then you were like, I haven't told anybody this, but I have a weird feeling and you are going to be, you know, quitting your job and like going and, and living with your family and then figuring stuff out. So, um, that's something for you where it just made a, like no sense to anybody else or like thinking, okay, this might not make sense. I, I want you to share more about that story or what those pivotal moments for you where you were like, I know that I'm supposed to head this direction. I don't really know what it all looks like, but I just know that I know that I know that I'm supposed to do that. So what, what's been one of those most pivotal moments for you? I would say the first pivotal moment was when I was living in, so I'm from Spokane, but I was living in Seattle as a, and I was working as a dental hygienist, loved it. I was practicing dental hygiene for like seven years and really good at it, yeah. made a lot of money. Um, my office loved me. My patients loved me. I'm, I'm painting this picture of like, nothing was really wrong, yeah. right? There, it, there wasn't anything that was wrong with my job that made me want to leave. Yeah. But I was doing, you know, some health coaching on the side, precision nutrition and kind of working with clients because I, I found myself like diving into the world of health and wellness and getting just sucked into podcast junkie type mentality and always like just a snowball effect of learning and growing and expanding and learning more about this wellness idea and this and this. And it just totally like expanded within me. And I knew even being a dental hygienist, of course, you're, you're involved in healthcare, but it's different. It's different taking it into every aspect of your lifestyle, not just teaching people about oral health. Yeah. So, started to like balloon in me and expand and, and kind of reach into every area of my life. And as I was health coaching, I, this is like, we have very kind of similar stories where we're from the outside. We, we look like we have it together and we, we know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing, but we're in this do, 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 do state. 
and maybe helping others with their health while having our own like serious health issues. Mm -hmm. And that was me. Um, I got to a point where I had zero estrogen, um, next to zero. I had seven on a scale of like, (laughs) you should be between 12 and 144. And I was at seven and I looked good quote, had a, you know, popping abs, but my hair was falling out in chunks. Mm -hmm. I was lean, but I couldn't digest any food. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, took cute pictures, but I had like explosive acne for my, the, on my face for the first time in my life. And it was this weird dilemma where I was helping others like get healthy, like lose weight really is what they were needing help with. And I, that was fine. I could do that, but I couldn't figure out what was going on in my own body. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, through kind of the channels of discovering and blood work and working with a naturopath and experimenting with my own body and everything and kind of putting myself in a place of surrender Mm -hmm. and saying, I can't live like this. I can't, I can't keep doing this or else one, my hair is going to fall out and my face is going to keep exploding. Mm -hmm. So I got to this point and at this point, I know your listeners don't know my story um, with Chase, but um, I had- You can always backtrack by the way. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll end up doing because I had, this is happening while I was divorced. It really happened. It kind of started after my divorce in 2016 is when we separated and I married my high school sweetheart. We were together for 10 years total. Three of those years we were married and then we separated and actually legally divorced. So this was in that divorced time frame, and I just got really, really sick. That's what I explained it as. Like, I can't put my finger on it. Like one title. I was just really sick mentally, physically, spiritually, for sure. My soul was dusty AF. And I just got to this point where I decided like, I think I need to do something different. I think I, and I I never like really loved Seattle as my home, Mm -hmm. like my forever home. I just never felt fully me there, even though I had family and like had family close by in Spokane. I just never felt like this is me. This is where I belong. Mm -hmm. Um, but my job kept me there. So I transitioned out of my job and I actually, um, enrolled in the Academy of Culinary Nutrition because I wanted to basically focus on disease prevention with food and help people, um, heal their bodies with food is what I was thinking going into this. And so I went through quick question. Was that because you were dealing with your own stuff? Cause I remember some other stuff from your story as well is like, why Yeah. explain it all? Like why you went into that? Yeah. Well, I had been having, I had my eye on the Academy of Culinary Nutrition for a long time because yeah, I had already gone through precision nutrition, but that's more like coaching. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know how to, for myself and my family, my future family, know how to use nutrition and food as medicine. And so the Academy of Culinary Nutrition is basically um, kind of a culmination, uh, a love child, if you will, of like a nutrition degree and culinary school. Hmm. So it's a six month online program based out of Canada. It's really one of a kind and it was an amazing experience, but yes, there was an element of me wanting to like, how do I heal myself and how do I really like not just 
do the macro thing and the, the, the protein and the fats and the calories, but how do I actually use different foods as nutrition and healing for, for my body? And there was a huge component of it that was for my family as well and my future family, kids and such. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when I decided that I, I couldn't do the academy and be a, a full-time hygienist, I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was going to be stepping away from dental hygiene for a time. And it just made sense for me to move back in with my mom and stepdad in Spokane. So I packed up everything, um, left Seattle and my mom and I, um, drove from Seattle to Spokane and I moved in with them for a year. So I went through the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and that was an amazing experience, loved it. Um, and what came out of it was this kind of like little desire, this like it kind of fell into my lap as I was just creating in the kitchen and using food as medicine. Um, I created this little food called Brain Hits that I started selling online. Oh, so good, you guys. <laughs> they are really good. It's like a mixture of nuts and seeds and spices and honey and this product called AHCC, which I had discovered. Um, I didn't discover it, but I discovered its presence in the world. (laughs) And um, I just fell in love with it. It's basically like a cultured mushroom uh, product supplement. And once I saw the, the clinical research behind it, I was just like, more people have to know about this. And so then I, I put the AHCC inside the brain hits and that was my like introduction to entrepreneurism and getting AHCC into the world, into bodies in a fun, delicious way versus like, here's a bunch of capsules, take them. Um, So it was really like kind of a turning point um, for, uh, in in a lot of different ways for me. It was, it felt like a lot. I was leaving my job, starting a new like school slash career Uh, Didn't know how I was going to get paid or make money or live. You know, I saw my savings dwindling. Didn't have a plan. I could always go back to dental hygiene if I wanted to, if I needed to. Um, But I knew that like, if I didn't try, if I didn't do this thing, um, I knew I would always regret it because it was just kind of like lingering here in the back of my head for a very long time. And I think subconsciously, I know subconsciously, I needed that time with my parents at home in a different environment to heal my insides, like Mm -hmm. my soul, my spirit, my mind, not just my body, but like get in a good place with God and develop my own spiritual life. Like I remember towards the end of my dental hygiene, like clinical career, I remember like knowing that I was going to be leaving soon and thinking, man, like, I just can't wait to heal. I can't wait to like, just not go, 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 do, do, do. And just like have time for myself to heal. I remember thinking that multiple times. Wow. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I had no idea how long I was going to be there or, you know, what was I going to live with my mom for five years or one, or I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I just knew that my insides more than anything needed it. Wow. Were you like terrified? What were the thoughts that were going through your head of, okay, well, I, I know that I know I'm supposed to heal or I know that I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to like quit hygiene. Like what was kind of that thing of like, I know that like kind of your why, I guess, like I know that I'm supposed to go here. And in order to do that, I need to 
get rid of this or that? Like, what was, what was that big thing? Because I just, I had gotten to a place, um, a really unhealthy place in my mind, dealing with a lot of guilt and shame around my divorce and how I handled myself in our marriage. And I pushed it aside for a very long time. Mm. I suppressed it for a very long time. And um, anyone who thinks that emotions and trauma, whether it's self-induced or otherwise, if you don't deal with that, if you think that it doesn't manifest in physical symptoms and effects and sickness in the body, like physically, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what was happening to me. Um, going back even further, um, that's, I was suppressing so much of that energy around my relationship and how it ended and guilt and shame and all the things. And I just wouldn't let myself go there um, mm. until it got to a point where I, I, I knew that I, I couldn't go the rest of my life without dealing with it, without looking at it, without shining a light on it. And so that was really my why um, wow. was I, I have to do this because I have a lot of life left. And this, like being in my head and it, it, like having all of these suppressed feelings, um, this emotional trauma, it sucks and I need to deal with it. And I don't know how, but like, I can't do it here. I need basically like, I need my mom. I need safety. I need family. I need to get away from the Seattle like bar scene. Mm -hmm. You know, I just needed to kind of have a clean slate. Wow. So I'm just curious because I've, I've been chatting with a lot of people about this recently about like the emotions and on our bodies and people are not really aware of those traumatic experiences that, you know, like you said, you just shove it down and think like, okay, if I don't deal with it, like it's fine. I just keep moving forward. And especially like you, that's such a doer. I know a lot of most people in our society now have just become like, go, 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 doer, doer, doers. And it's easy to do that. Um, and I can relate a thousand percent. That was my life too, suppressing all the emotions that came up physically too. And so I can empathize with that. So do you think that from your divorce, that is what caused those health problems as you were just talking about, like the acne and like looking good, the, losing all the estrogen, all of that. Do you think it was a plethora of things or do you think like that was like the main thing you were just kind of putting off to the side? Um, it was definitely a combination of things um, because I know, I know that I was storing emotional baggage, trauma, um, and shame inside me. Um, and I want, I'm not going to blame it on the divorce, but that was kind of like the flip, the, the switch flipping. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of just like an avalanche after that. So it was definitely that, but then also what I was doing to myself physically, you know, I was getting up at four 30 and getting a workout in before work and then walking a mile and a half to my very active job where I'm on my feet all day. I'm standing cleaning teeth. Cause I don't want to sit cause I want to burn as many calories as possible. And I want to do squats while I'm, you know, writing chart notes. And, um, so, and then I would, you know, intermittent fast until 1 PM and be basically falling over, not able to keep my eyes open. I had zero energy or iron or estrogen or, mm -hmm. you know, anything like brain power left. And then 
I would eat like a very low calorie, not on purpose low calorie, but just because I was so, so, so clean mm-hmm. would be like kale and spinach salad with salmon and vegetables and like maybe some fruit or something like that. So over doing it, over exercising eight days a week and then have a very active lifestyle and job and eating so clean that I wasn't like, I wasn't intentionally starving myself at all. I ate, but because I was so active, I wasn't eating enough to replenish those calories. So my body for two years straight was in a constant deficit. Mm -hmm. When you do that as a woman, you do get very lean and it feels good for a time because you start getting this external feedback from Mm -hmm. not only your friends being like, Oh my God, girl, you look so good. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then you, and then you tell them like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing this. You tend to leave out a little bit of the truth because you don't want to seem like you're working that hard for it. Yeah. And then you start getting, you know, external feedback as a 26 year old single woman in Seattle who hasn't dated anyone since she was 16 that was me. Um, and so getting feedback from the opposite sex, like it was like, well, I guess this is who I am now, you know, and you, you start getting that and it feels good for a time until it doesn't Totally. until you get to the point where you're like, I don't care how many homeboys hit me up. I just want to be able to digest my freaking food. I just want my brain to function, please, and have energy for the whole day. Yes. Can that please be the title? I don't care how many homeboys hit me up. I just want to digest my That's so good. P.S. I'm glad we have five hours for this episode so so we can keep talking about it. But actually, we should do a separate one all about this because I'm like dying on the inside. Like, yes, by the way, just anybody that's dealing with this, feel free to reach out anytime because her and I know exactly what this is about. And I know that so many people deal with it. So Um, common. It's so common, like more than you know. And um, okay, so that's insane. But, um, that was the, that was the first, like that whole, like leaving my life in Seattle was the first, like, okay, I guess I'm saying yes to this because I have to, I I need to just to like feel sane. That was my first one. Definitely not my most significant though. Yeah. Um, well, and, and really quick before you share more of your, your other significant one, how do you think that, like, what would you tell anybody else if they were in, in your shoes or something similar where they're just like, dude, I am going to leave my job. I don't know what's in store for me next. I have literally no idea. All I know is X, Y, Z. Like, what would you tell them? Like based off of your own story? Yeah. I mean, I, was in a position where I wasn't, I had some money saved up. I had a little bit of cushion. Um, and I, 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 w- I knew I wasn't going to be like destitute, right? So like anyone listening who's like thinking about a transition or like, I don't know if I can do this or not, you want to be smart. You want to make sure it's the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't just leap at the, fir- the first time it popped into my head. Mm-hmm. It was reoccurring. You know, it was something that kept coming up in my head. I think there's some, of course it, it happens and it's, it's, can be great and beautiful where you just, the first time it pops into your head, you're like, this is a sign. I have to do it. Okay. And you go and do the thing. But a lot of times I think that's kind of like the romanticized version. Yeah. Um, I think more realistically and probably 
smarter. Um, being a realist and a rationalist is like assessing your own situation. Like, do you have money to live? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, miracles can happen and you can find your dream job, you know, right in the nick of time. Sure, that happens. But assess your own situation. Do I have a little bit of cushion? Do I have skills that I can fall back on if said thing doesn't work out in my favor? Yeah. If the- or maybe it takes longer than I thought it was going to, or, you know, fill in the blank. So for me, that was the case was I had a little bit of money saved up and, and, um, I knew I was going to be okay for a while. And I also had, you know, my, my skills as a dental hygienist, I could go get a job in a day if I got to a point where like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I could get a job the next day. So I think, I think mixing like kind of making a baby with like being a rationalist and taking care of yourself, totally. making sure that you are, you know, um, providing some sort of structure and stability, kind of like, you know, if we talk about masculine and feminine energies, which we all have both in our life, it is the job of the masculine energy in me, Megan, to take care of my feminine my own feminine. Yeah. If I don't have a partner, especially a masculine, if I don't have anyone else that that's doing that, um, it's all on me to make sure my masculine, my structure, my sounding board, my, um, my rock inside me is taking care of the little girl, the, the one who has all the flowing creative ideas and wants to move across state and has all these like picturesque things in her mind. Like you have to bounce back and forth and make sure each one is taking care of each other. Mm. I hope that makes sense for people, but Mm -hmm. we all have both of those energies in us um, all of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's up to us to, to ask that question. Is my masculine taking care of my feminine right now? Hmm. And, and the reverse, right? Like you and I, as type three achievers, we can go, 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 go and be in this like masculine energy, you know, for years on end. And it's up to us to basically ask that question of, is my feminine, my nurturer, my soft, open, surrender, nurturing part of myself, is that embracing this hard rock structural part of me that wants to go and achieve and penetrate the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a dance. And this was a moment where I knew that I, my masculine had to take care of my feminine, which was like just crumbling. Mm. And, um, so that was the first time I've given that explanation. That's so, um, Mm. but I'm just, it's like just flowing out of me as I'm thinking like, that's, that's really what it was, um, in that moment. So I think, yeah, just making sure whoever's listening, who's, who this sounds familiar, or you have, you know, um, a situation at hand where you could go here, you could go here. Either, either option is the right option, no matter what you choose. Yeah. Because you did like, Mm -hmm. you're wondering like, oh, was I supposed to do this or not? Well, yes, you were because it happened. So it was meant to be because it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say it kind of prophylactically in advance, Mm -hmm. taking care, like letting your masculine take care of your feminine and vice versa. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And it's true in this and I've learned that actually a lot from you guys, even just talking with you and Chase and just the masculine and feminine. And But anyway, with Chase, 
she was making these brain hits for this is what I remember anyway. And you guys got like reconnected and he wanted some, right? And so you guys just met up for coffee. Do you want to just explain a little bit about that? Because I know, again, just where you kind of, you don't expect it, but you're drawn to a certain thing and you say yes when it makes no sense, you're divorced. And so where do you want to share and let yeah. off with this? <laughs> yeah. So honestly, if it wasn't for Organifi, which y'all probably know Organifi, yes, Organifi. we're both ambassadors. I got it my cup today. It's nice. Cow and pumpkin spice. It's so shameless good. plug. Love it. <laughs> um, yeah, if it wasn't for Organifi and if it wasn't for Brain Hits, Chase and I would not be together today. And what I mean by that is we had both split at this time. This was back in 2018, kind of the end of 2018. We had both split. Um, from our careers. So we were married and we split from our careers that we, that we knew each other to be in. So I was no longer doing dental hygiene. Chase was no longer doing, um, public accounting or public finance. And now he was working at Organifi and I was in this kind of in-between stage of developing my own thing that I didn't really know what to call. I was like, I guess I'm an entrepreneur now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was doing my own thing and teaching the world about AHCC, making these brain hits and trying to develop something, trying to find my place in the world that felt really good. So we were both away from our you know, careers that we knew each other in. And really in this place of, so it had been three years since we had even seen each other or really talked at all. And then we started just following each other on Instagram, like, and just really, really platonically, like liking each other's stuff or, you know, sending each other like, oh, you might like this. Just in a very, very platonic friendly, like we had finally gotten to a place where we could wish well for each other. And, um, without any bitterness or, or any shame, guilt, anything like that. It was just like, um, yeah, I just, I want you to be happy. I want you to do well. So we were both yeah. in this good place where we had kind of, um, developed our own like spiritual life, which we didn't have when we were together, like 0%. So we were just shinier. We both were shinier versions of ourselves than we knew, you know, towards those last years of our marriage. And, yeah, we, we met up for coffee, super platonically. Again, it was not a date by any means, but Chase was in Spokane for Christmas and I was, you know, neck deep in brain hits and he knew what I was doing. He had seen it on Instagram and, and I wanted to share some with him. And I was like, oh, I can ship them to you, but we can also just like meet up and I can hand them off to you and like save you the shipping. And he thought about it for a day and got back to me and he was like, yeah, I, I, I do. I would like that. But if we do, I, I want it to be more than just like a handoff. Like I want to talk to you. I want to see how you're doing. I want to hear about your life. And mm -hmm. so we met up in Spokane for coffee and <clears throat> shout out to Ladder Coffee. <laughs> that was the place. And <clears throat> so we met up and gave him the brain hits and we talked and it turned into three and a half hours. And it was just like, it was like being back with a, just a really good old friend. And there was no like contempt or weirdness or, I mean, it was kind of weird. It was, it was a little weird just because it was like, oh, this is, 
who are you? Like, yeah. I wanna, like I know you better than anyone, but also I feel like I, I need to like re get to know you because totally. you're so you're different like human. Yeah. You're so different than where we left off. Right. In both ways, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so we both came away from there. Um, we hugged, he gave me some Organifi and, um, he went back and with his family and stayed with his family. And I just, I got into my car after that meetup and just lost, I lost it. I, it was just like a waterfall of so much pent up shame, guilt, um, trauma. I'll use that word all day. Yeah. It was trauma that was self-induced. Um, and it just like, it was just a floodgate cause I hadn't let myself go there in so long. Mm. And one of the recurring themes in our marriage was I had a really hard time. Like I had a really hard time saying sorry when I did hurt him. Mm. I had a really hard time saying sorry. I don't know for whatever reason I would just like justify, justify, justify. Well, this is what I was thinking. I didn't mean it that way. Here's Mm. what my thought process was. And you never actually say the words like, I'm sorry I hurt you. Yeah. So after that meetup, a couple of weeks rolled by and we're kind of just like texting back and forth, still platonic. And we were texting one night and I called him and he was like, Hey, what's up? Um, and I just, he could tell that like my voice was kind of shaky. And I just, I said, I don't want to be the person who can't say sorry. I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Wow. And I got the chills <laughs> because I really, I didn't want to be that person. I, I recognized that part of myself and I wanted to go in a different direction. So I chose to like get it out there and I hadn't said it to him about anything in our marriage or divorce or anything. I'm sorry. And so he was totally taken back because he was like, I've forgiven you without you even ever saying that. And I, because I had to, you know, he had to get to a place in his life where he could just go on throughout the day, not thinking about me or not thinking about us or, you know, whatever, having bitterness or contempt or whatever it is. Like you just get to this point where you're like, I need to forgive just for me. Like she's not feeling any of this anger or hurt or whatever. It's like, I just need to get past it for my own sanity kind of. So that's where he was at. And he was really great. And just said, thank you. And, you know, we talked for a little bit longer and then, um, hung up. And I guess he, after that, just like was a puddle, lost it. And so there was these like barriers that were being broken down within us and we were choosing them. Like it wasn't the other saying like, you did this, you did this, say sorry. Or, you know, we weren't pushing each other into that. It was each one of us like taking steps to break down those barriers. Mm -hmm. Um, and finally like let, these authentic, true emotions out for the first time ever. And uh, so, yeah, it was really powerful. And I would say that was definitely a turning point for us. Um, Chase was dating a girl, like I think very early on, like he was seeing this girl going on some dates and he, after that call, he like, he had to end it with her because he was like, it's complicated and you don't deserve this version of me where I'm like, kind of like starting to talk to my ex-wife again. And it's a weird situation. I care about you. So like, I just need to end it. Um, which was really, really cool of him, um, for, for the girl, I don't know her, but, um, 
And so after that, we really started to talk a lot more um, because I think my softness kind of allowed his heart to be a little soft again, Mm -hmm. rather than having like so many walls up, just like Mm -hmm. trying to protect himself, which Mm -hmm. makes total sense. So then it was in March of 2019 that, uh, yeah, 2019. I'm like, COVID has my brain now. So I'm like, what year is it? What year? Yeah, it was 20. It it was, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was March, 2019. We both went to this huge, um, expos as, as a convention basically in Anaheim. And, um, we, he went for Organifi. I went to meet the, the manufacturers of HCC that were coming over from Japan. And so we ended up, we just happened to both be in this, this place in Anaheim for this weekend. It was like three days. And we, throughout the, the span of this still very platonic, there was no like trying to get back with each other whatsoever. We just found ourselves like enjoying being around each other and wanting to hang and it was comfortable and nice and we have the same humor and it just felt nice is like the best way that I can explain it and then the second night we were there we were um we had spent kind of all day together just kind of roaming around and whatever um and then we we um were talking in my little rental car and we started just talking and letting kind of the the barriers down more and, and talking about what actually happened in our marriage and afterwards. And, and I started crying and then he was like holding my hand and we just like very emotionally connected. It wasn't anything physical at all. It was just emotionally like reconnecting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when we got out of the car to like say goodbye or whatever, he grabbed my face and like, you know, like gently, but like looked in my eyes for a good 30 seconds, which is a a long time to stare at somebody. (laughs) And ladies listening, if you've never had a man (laughs) stare into your eyeballs like that, it will either like light you up or it'll break you or both. And it did both for me. Like it, I've never had any man look and in my eyes like he did. It's like he was like searching for something. And later on, I I found out he was, he was like, yeah, I was searching for you. Yeah. And so, and then he kissed me and it was like the best kiss I've ever had in my life. (laughs) You're like way Um, better than when we were married. (laughs) Yes, it was because there was so much behind it. There was so much emotion. And then he told me he loved me. And I said it back. And um, then I went and stayed at my cousin's house and told no one. <laughs> and, you know, because she was, she was in, in uh, I was still living in Spokane at this point. And I was, you know, staying with my cousin who, who lived in LA. And uh, then he, he went and stayed at his buddy's house. And then we still had one more day of the convention afterwards. So, or the next day. And so the next day we show up and it wasn't weird at all. And we went about our business. We didn't really tell anyone, but Anyways, that's, that's kind of how it like that, like the actual physical part of like, oh damn, I still love you mm-hmm. kind of came to be, um, in Anaheim. So we have a, we have a very special place in our hearts for Anaheim. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, I, um, after that we continued talking obviously. And, and Chase was like, um, I, 
he, we didn't have like any deep conversations about what does this mean? Are we back together? Are we dating? Yeah. What is this? Like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. No one does this. Mm-hmm. And having those conversations in person, like at Anaheim, because it was just like, there's no reason to right now. It's like, we need to go back home. And, but he was really great. And I commend, I commend him for this because he was like, I don't want to talk about it right now, but I do want to address what was said and the fact that I said, I love you and I meant it and I want to talk about it and I don't want to leave it in the air. And it was really nice as, as a woman, like Mm. dating in the single world to have a guy, even though it's my ex-husband, to have a guy take like gentle charge. Do you know what I mean? Like tell you exactly what he's thinking, exactly what he wants to do and how he's going to carry it out Mm -hmm. is like singing, singing in my ears. It's like the most magical thing after three years of dating where it feels like a chess game. Yeah. Where you're constantly evaluating, do I text him back? Do I call him? Do we hang out two nights in a row? Do we do this? Do we do that? Is it normal for him to meet people in my family now? Is it, it, there's just so much to it. And it, not even just that, but also like from, from the other person, like what they're putting off, you're trying to constantly interpret, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Is he keep, like, is he not texting me back on purpose? Like, what does this mean? Uh, Should I text him? You know, you're constantly interpreting other people's energy and actions or Mm non-actions. And to have a grown man Mm -hmm. confident in himself and to say, I am going to do this and you can trust me. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, that was so refreshing. And I love from the very beginning that we didn't play any games with each other. There was no point. It was like, we've already done this. Like, what's the point in playing games? Well, I think that's just so beautiful. And that's what I flip and love about your guys's second love story is just that you guys were so different. And then you guys came to this other place where you could have had those walls up, especially after that moment happened. And you're just like, okay, what is all this? Like he didn't leave you hanging, which most people do this day and age. Like a lot of people are like, well, I don't really know what just happened. So I'm not really going to deal with it. Or I guess we'll, we'll figure it out along the way. But like figure it out along the way. No, just like share and express like where you're at. Acknowledge that something happened. Like be honest and open to where the person can, where you could trust him to like, you know, with what just happened. And um, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 It really, it really was refreshing. And it was so bizarre. Every step of the way was like, I I knew without a doubt what I was feeling in my, like in my soul when I was around him or when I was talking to him, like I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also the thoughts of, but we're divorced. Right. Like no one does this. Yeah. Like, and, and certainly people get back with their exes all the time. Like mm-hmm. people breaking up and then get back and get, getting back together or whatever. Like usually there's a kid involved or it's a dysfunctional relationship to some degree. This felt very different. It wasn't just like break up, get back together, break up kind of energy or scenario. It was not convenient. Mm-hmm. Our families like had serious questions and serious yeah. concerns and um, you know, just friends 
on both sides were like, are you sure? Like really good friends of ours, um, you know, trying to protect each other. Like, Mm -hmm. um, do you remember what happened? You know, kind of questioning and, you know, you get in that headspace when you're not around your, your partner, your love. And you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. I know. I can't explain it. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. But then you get on the phone or you're talking or whatever, you're in their presence and you're like, no, this is good. This lights me up. This isn't just about physical or, you know, sexual chemistry or anything like that. It's like, this is like, my soul is drawn to you. Mm -hmm. And I, it's so funny because when I was dating, I was the like epitome of, no, I don't, I don't share my feelings with guys. Like, I don't like, you can do the work. You can come to me. You like, I was like that girl that I was not about to put my feelings out there first. I was not a Klingon. I was not that. And with Chase, I was the first one to say, we were talking on the phone and, and I will never forget this conversation, but I was the one to say to him, it was kind of in passing, like nonchalantly. I was like, well, I don't intend with, I don't intend on being with anyone else. Hmm. And it was very matter of fact. And he, and it was kind of in the middle of like a paragraph of sentences of me speaking. And he was like, can we, can we go back to when you said, what do you mean by that? Like you, you didn't intend on, you don't want to be with any, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I want to be with you. And I, that was so not in my character. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're dating, I was not that person at all. And I, I found myself acting in ways that I usually don't. And it felt, it still felt right to me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I knew it was like so flow was because I felt like my soul was making decisions without my head being attached. Wow. Do you and, think do you think that was based off of the own work that you were doing as you were healing like living in yes. parents or do you think that was because Chase was bringing that out of you or do you think it was both? Um I it was definitely both but I don't think anyone can bring out of you what you're not willing to give, what you're not willing to surrender. So it started with me. I will take full responsibility and Mm -hmm. a pat on the back. Yeah, I was digging in deep. I was developing my spiritual life every single day. I was putting myself into a place of surrender. I Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the year leading up to this with me and Chase, um, I was constantly putting myself in a place of surrender, practicing mm-hmm. what that felt like, not knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that I, I needed to do this. I needed to surrender to God, to the universe, to myself, to, you know, um, my career. Like I just needed to continue to put my place myself into a place of surrender because I was mm-hmm. in this place of like, go, 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 do, do, do for so long. And had I not been doing that, practicing that every single day Mm. um and surrendering to my health too giving up my hands and saying okay i'm gonna give up my six-pack but i want estrogen because i want to have kids someday totally so you're 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 inviting this surrender into your life and it'll come (laughs) when you invite surrender into your life you like almost like patience you know like if you pray for patience or you're trying to work on patience you will get those opportunities 
Exactly. It's not like so that was like my, up. you're like, great. I'm all of a sudden patient. patient. No. no, no, no. You're going to have opportunities to make you patient and right. opportunities to, to continue to surrender. Yeah. Just like that. You have to practice your surrender muscle. And so that, those were my reps. Those, that was my warm up to lead me into surrendering to what, what was supposed to be with, with Chase and I. And wow. um, once I said that to him, it kind of, it showed him like where I was at, where my heart was at. And then it happened very quickly after that. I came and visited San Diego where he was living um, on Coronado a couple times and it was magical. And mm. then I was basically, I came, I don't know, three or four times. And then I, we were having conversation very early, very quickly on, okay, so how do we, how do we get me down here? How do yeah. I yeah. Um, and so then well, I want to, I want to ask you a quick question just because yeah. I think that, um, before we get into kind of where you guys are at now, that whole surrender process, I think is so powerful. And mm-hmm. just like you talked about in order to really, I guess, call in or allow things to come into your life that you really do desire. And, you know, you desired, family you desired, you know, relationship and like, who knows, I don't know if you want kids still or not or whatever, but like you desire those things and you probably thought it looked a little bit different, but you had to come to a place of surrender first. And so what would you say? Cause I'm all about, okay, cool surrender, but that's also, like you said, it takes practice and it's something that you have to do every day. It's like, you have to take steps of action. So what were things for you that you were learning were practical things to actually surrender? Were you, did you have like routines? Did you have certain daily practices? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I think there were definitely, it wasn't like a thought out, like, oh, here's my plan of how I'm going to start surrendering, but it was just noticing along the way what is, what feels good, maybe what doesn't feel so good, but what I know is necessary and taking Mm -hmm. note of that and continuing that. So some of those things were, um, you know, I had, I had been a crazy morning person for years and years getting up at four 30 or five and allowing my body surrendering to my body and letting it get up when it wanted to, when it was done with sleep. Yeah. That's a very simple thing. But if you're not, if you don't have a clock in clock out job and you're in this kind of in-between stage, your body will wake you up when you need to be awake. It just will. Yeah. If you need more, like let your body have that surrender to sleep, I think is a big one. That was something that I had never, ever done Mm -hmm. since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was definitely something that I allowed myself. And then, you know, um, physically putting myself into a place of, um, softness and mm-hmm. embracing that softness, that femininity mm-hmm. in me that I had resisted. I, of course, I, I've always been like a feminine person. I've always loved, you know, looking good and, and fashion and makeup and clothes and this and that, but there's a difference in liking fashion and having like, and totally embracing your feminine essence. Mm. So what I would do is I got more comfortable with my body, honestly, like this sounds weird, but <laughs> this is, I'm just totally being transparent. Like I was naked more mm-hmm. I, like in my room by myself. Like I was embracing 
like my body more, not in a weird way, just like loving my body. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we get into this place where we're so critical of ourselves. We're so down to every little hair and wrinkle and cellulite and toenail. We're so critical. And that is, I think, detrimental to us as women. Mm-hmm. We start resisting and being disconnected from our body. And when you do that, you're disconnected from your heart, which is the, the source of your femininity. Mm-hmm. So sounds weird, but I would meditate in my room naked and just like have my hands on my stomach mm-hmm. or my legs or my chest and like just like loving mm-hmm. every like my home, my body, yeah. right? Yeah. And that you do that enough, it you will start to appreciate your body in a different way. Even if it's not to a T what you would choose to post on Instagram, you will start treating your body differently. Mm-hmm. You'll start looking at yourself in the mirror differently. You'll start having more appreciation for this amazing body that's working for you 24-7 that never gets gratitude hardly ever. Yeah. Like you being connected to our body is so important. So I think that was huge. And then, um, you know, what I was immersing myself in, you know, um, on, on the self-development side, um, John Wineland, I will sing his praises until the day I die because he was really the first person. what do you say? I said, you guys told me about him. He's so great. He's amazing. He was the first person that I really heard, you know, oh my gosh, there's different masculine and feminine energies and they play together and they're dynamic. And this is how you bring out the best in your partner. But first you have to bring out the best in you and having this balance. So I will say his work, um, changed my life. So I actually went to an in-person workshop with him in Santa Monica and it absolutely game changer, changed my life, put me on this trajectory of embracing my femininity, which allowed me to embrace softness Mm. and see softness as weakness, Mm. but actually strength because a lot of times it's harder to be soft Mm. than it is to put up a big postured front, right? Because then you're safe and no one's going to mess with you, but to be soft and to allow a masculine energy to physically and emotionally penetrate that is like you, you are allowing, you're voluntarily vulnerable, which when it's with someone like Chase, where I can trust my soul and my heart with him, there's no better feeling. Yeah. I love that so much. And I know it's so incredible, honestly, being in the presence of both you and Chase because, and I've learned so much just by being present with you guys and this past year mostly and the year before was all about vulnerability for myself and I can agree and relate and I think so many women out there um really put up this hard shell thinking like okay I got this you know or I don't want anybody to hurt me or what if they see me or whatever but like this beautiful place of openness I've seen in my own life, it's scary. It almost feels like you're raw all the time, you know, like everything is exposed, but how beautiful is that? Because then like where you guys are at now, it's like Chase can look at you and he's like, oh my gosh, like you need this right now. Or I would love to love you in this kind of way. Or babe, how are you actually doing? Or it's this beautiful give and receive. And so I guess where, if you could explain in a few sentences or however you want, where are you and Chase at now? 
We are constantly learning. Um, you're never done learning about yourself or your partner, at least in my opinion, you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an absolute journey, but I, I love where we're at um, in our relationship, in our life. We are creating a life together. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people will ask like, are you guys going to get remarried or, you know, what's, what's happening? Are you guys like, what is this? Like people love <laughs> and myself included, like yeah. I'm not leaving myself out of this, but we love as humans to label like yeah. that's this, that's that, that's black, that's mm-hmm. white. So we love labels because the unknown is scary, right? Like Mm -hmm. ancestral times, unknown could mean death. So we like to label everything. Mm -hmm. So people will, you know, just be curious and want to know. And um, I would say we've talked about it a lot and I won't say we're against like being married or um, maybe doing some sort of like rededication or ceremony uh, in the future, but right now, and I think for the foreseeable future, unless something drastically changes, which I don't think it will between us, um, inside of us, I like not having the insurance of a marriage certificate. Mm. Um, and I, I love, I love the Institute of Marriage. I am not knocking marriage. I'm talking about for me and my life with my partner, yeah. what has worked and what is working currently. What is working currently is not having the life jacket of marriage or a marriage certificate in this ocean of love that we're like treading water in, right? Mm -hmm. When you put that life jacket on, you're you're a little safer. It's like, yeah, it's hard to drown (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you've got that life jacket. But for us currently, we want to every day be building up the muscles of treading water and putting ourselves presenting ourselves the best way that we can and showing up for the other mm-hmm. in a way that we never did <clears throat> when we were married. Yeah. So that's where we're at right now. And um, I don't really see that changing. There's nothing in my soul that will change my devotion, my dedication to love to him with uh, like a legal marriage uh, certificate. Um, so I don't think, I don't think that's, uh, going to, going to change. I am, our, our, our souls are connected. So mm-hmm. that's not ever really going to be affected by external laws. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's where our relationship is at, but I don't know if you want, if you meant like our day-to-day life or careers yeah, or whatever. whatever you wanted to share. I wasn't thinking anything specific, just like, what does that look like? You know, you kind of shared um, when you were before you were married and then divorced and going through that process and where you guys are at now, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. You guys just are loving each other every single day and you're building together and whatever Mm -hmm. happens in the future, you'll know when you know. Mm -hmm. And, but right now you're saying yes to things that still don't make sense at all because of where you've been, you know, and, and sometimes, like you said, like people can look at it and be like, well, you've been here. So shouldn't you be here now? Or you were already married. So you might as well be married now, but you're going through this beautiful process of life where you're like, my heart is open to you. It, it wasn't that way before your heart's open to me. It, I think that's beautiful. Like you're taking yeah. radical steps of like vulnerability and authenticity and like, what does loving 
myself and loving my partner so well. And you guys literally bring out the best in each other. Oh my gosh. I like died when we did that one event. Um, at the she is me. Yes. And he was like the only guy there, I think, or maybe two. And, um, when we were doing a meditation and he just like had his eyes locked on you and I remember your <laughs> eyes were closed and your hand was just on your heart and you were just so precious. And then I look up <laughs> and then he's staring just like, that's my angel. And then I look oh. at you and at one point you open your eyes and went straight to him. <laughs> it was like the cutest thing in the world. And, um, anyway, I just want to acknowledge, you know, these places that you have kind of chosen with your life, one with, you choosing from dental hygiene to go after just this place of like healing and you didn't know that healing was going to bring you to this incredible company that you have now with AHCC and that you guys get to and then with Chase and where you guys are now and I value that and um uh, what would I'm curious with all of that what would you tell your old child self if you could mm. if you could tell them anything what would you tell her? I've actually thought about this because I've had to go back and do some, some child childhood trauma kind of work in meditation. And, um, I, I would tell her that it's okay to be completely you. Um, I think you and I both have this personality where we can basically get along with anyone because we can morph and change and, and assess what does this person need me to be for them right now? What do I need to show up as? And it can be a total gift, right? But it can also be a detriment to ourselves because we adopt, I think, I, I won't speak for you because I don't know. I, I'll speak for myself. You, I, I know that I can get into this place of I can take on and adopt these other images and these other kind of like um, flavors to my life, but actually standing back and asking myself, thinking, what do I think? What do I feel? What do I want to do? That's all good. That's you. Mm. So I would just have a conversation with my little self, like, make sure you're still developing your own thoughts and letting yourself go there and being curious and being wondery and asking questions is okay. Cause I was just this like perfect little angel girl and, and, you know, never really pushed back or asked why or asked questions or had this like curiosity. I just kind of accepted things as they were. And now I'm in the space where I'm so curious about everything and I want to know more and I'm, I want to know why. And, and, and how come, and it's such a beautiful place to be in because it keeps you in this place of openness. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love that space. And so mm -hmm. it would be a combination of it's okay to be completely you. People are still going to love you and don't forget to wonder. Mm, I love that. <laughs> And then if you, you were talking about earlier how being able to relate to everybody is, it can be such a gift. So I'm not saying that is like your one gift that you would bring to the world, but if, if you could bring a world or a gift to the world or say, I am Megan and or I'm Mimi, like what is that gift to the world that you bring? Um, I want to, I think I do this already and I want to continue to do it, but I want to 
continue to be a safe place for people to learn and expand. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's women learning about how to clear their HPV or someone who's spiritually curious, um, really like, I want to be your educated friend. (laughs) So like the place that you can go to and be like, Hey, I'm just going to lay it out. There's no judgment. Um, but also she might have, she might have some insight here. Mm. So we all need that friend. And I'm finding, especially with HPV and the the education that I do, like Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of women don't have that. They don't have that safe place where they can go and just like, let it out. Mm. um, I enjoy it's, it's, it can be heavy at times because you're taking on really some heavy emotions sometimes, but the work is so freaking rewarding. So I, I just, I want to continue to provide that to the world. That's amazing. And then in a practical sense, what, how, how is it that you're currently doing that? Cause you've talked about HCC, you've talked about HPV, you've talked about women. So what does that currently look like for you and how can people, um, hear about you? Yeah. So in a couple different ways. So, um, I teach people about medicinal mushrooms. Um, a lot of my education is on Instagram and you can find me there at get Mimi fit. My handle's going to be changing probably pretty soon, but get Mimi fit for now. Um, and then also, um, and, and you can slide into my DMS. I answer every DM my, myself. If you have something on your mind or you're, you just got diagnosed with HPV and you need some help or guidance, um, that's there. And then also the, the medicine podcast is my podcast. And that's where I am continuing to talk about disease prevention for, for body, mind, and relationships is kind of our mantra. And I, I want to continue talking about weird stuff Mm -hmm. and transparent. Like, obviously you can tell I'm fully transparent. Mm -hmm. Um, but what that does is it allows permission for others to go to those places. Like when they hear me and Chase, Chase is my co-host, he comes on every other episode. Um, When they hear us being transparent and offering these kind of maybe not so pretty parts of us to the world and saying like, you can learn, you can do it, you can be who you are like unapologetically, Mm -hmm. it it offers permission for people to maybe start talking and having the conversations with themselves or their friends or their partners about these not so pretty things. Um, so that's, that's physically currently what it looks like today. Oh, I love it. Okay. Is there anything else that you would ever want listeners to know if they, you know, are pursuing their dreams, if they're pursuing, you know, just something in their life that they know that they know that they know that they need to go out and be and do, is there any last words that you would want anybody to reflect on? Hmm. That's a good one. I would say, yeah, I, I think I've said it a little bit, but practice surrender, pra- practice openness. Um, I think that those are two ninja life skills right now in our culture. A lot of people want to be closed on issues. We have certain belief systems and that keeps us by definition with a closed mentality on whatever the thing in question is. So I would say continue to stay open, continue to surrender to what you're actually feeling. 
there's a lot of information. We have nonstop access to all sorts of information and screens at any time of the day. And I think what it's doing is crippling our ability to recognize and to put out into the world what we actually think, what we actually believe, instead of recycling other people's ideas and opinions. So staying open, not only to external ideas, but also to yourself mm-hmm. and letting yourself think and kind of own your opinion, own your ideas and be confident in them and, and know that you, you do have that intuition. It's there. It just needs to be tapped in, tapped into and flexed like a muscle over time and, and you'll get better at it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so good. Yay. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Super fun. Oh. I haven't told that story in a while. So it's That's fun good. to go back into the details. So yeah. And I think we'll get back on and do some more. I'd love to have you and Chase sometime soon too. And yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's so great. I, I love his mind and, and how he paints pictures with his words is just beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you, girl. You're welcome. Don't you guys just love Mimi? Megan, I adore her. Her and Chase are both incredible, and I was just in Coronado with them. And get ready because I want them both back on the podcast. So be looking out for one of their episodes. And continue to follow Megan at Mimi underscore the medicine at her Instagram or else the medicine podcast. Listen to that. It's amazing. And then also her website, which is getmimifit.com. She has an amazing store in there with all these goods, all the mushroom goods. So I hope that this wasn't just something that was inspiring to you, but it was really something that got you to look at your own life and where you can take action yourself and where you can say yes anyway. All right. I'm so excited. Just keep up for the next one.